Welcome back to the More Beach Meetings podcast. This week's guest is Stephanie Lee. Stephanie is a team experience manager at Buffer. Buffer is a social media management platform and they are fully distributed across the world. In this episode, we discuss transparency and company retreats and we talk a little bit about philosophy. We dive into that as well. Let's get into it. Enjoy the episode. All right. Hey, Stephanie Lee. I'm here with Stephanie from Buffer. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Carson. Thanks for coming on. So why don't you tell us about your role at Buffer? I'm the team experience manager on Buffer's people team. So what I focus on for the team is broadly just to try and smoothen their experience in Buffer so they can do their best work. And I look at things from tools to retreats and on-sites to security and all these different aspects. And I just work with our director of people, Courtney, to try and make, you know, be strategic about all of these things. And another teammate I work really closely with is Nicole, our team engagement manager. So we're just trying to bring our strengths all to the table so that our teammates have an awesome experience. So are you getting a lot of direct feedback from team members or is this more or less you trying to like be proactive in things or is it a combination of both? We try to always work with signals. So we do have a tool called Culture App where people share their feedback and those usually surface like immediate topics, for example, we want to tackle. But there are also broad long-term goals that in the people team uh, and the larger admin team we have. Like where do we want our company operations to be in like five years or even like at the end of this year, what do we want to refine and consolidate and stuff like that. And that's always done with feedback and in consultation. It's never done like in a top-down fashion. So it really depends on what topic or project we're tackling, like where it starts. But all that is to say, we always, you know, bring it to the team, find out what they think. Uh, Nicole is amazing at doing listening tours just to like sit down with teammates and have these extended conversations about how they feel about certain things. And we always take all of that into like deep consideration. I've heard of that for uh, professors and entrepreneurs, but I love hearing it internally with the team. So is that just like an interview more or less? You sit down one-on-one or or what is the nature of that? Uh, It could be like a focus group or it could be one-on-one discussions. It depends on what the topic is. So if it's like, um, something to do with like our international team, then she might sit down with them like one-on-one, like just a couple of people, or it could be like, oh, all the Spanish teammates give their feedback and all like the Singapore teammates sit down and have that chat or people that joined Buffer around the same time because they were looking at their experience or their journey. It really depends on what the project is. For the stuff that I work on, which is more tools, there's less of the listening tour because we do just get feedback along the way. People write to us, we get DMs about like, hey, there's this tool, I have a question about this, or there's this need in the team. So it's for my side, it's a lot more like collating things and getting a sense of what's the general pulse of things. And that's usually how we run things. It's quite different depending on our focus, if that makes sense. Thinking now is you get two teammates with completely different perspectives on how to handle something. What do you do when one person really 
is advocating for one thing and then the other is advocating for the complete opposite. Are you thinking about this in terms of like from the people team perspective or within the company? Like they have different opinions about a decision we need to make. More for for your role and the people team. So like if someone is uh, commenting on one of the tools that you guys are using and, and says something that's negative about it and someone else is commenting on positively, how do you go about trying to please everyone? <laughs> well, I think the first thing that we've had to come to terms with and we still always check each other on is that you're never going to please everyone. <laughs> Especially when you have a team as diverse as ours. And it's always our goal to try and do that. But we know, you know, someone's always got a different experience in a different context and that's valuable too. And we always bear that in mind. When it comes to making decisions about like which tool to to keep or adopt or evolve our use of, something that's I think very unique to Buffer is that regardless of which team you're in, when we make when we give feedback or we make suggestions, it's always from a perspective of acknowledging that we may not have full context over the final decision or over all the considerations that are going on. Like if I had, like if I observed something on a blog and I shared that feedback with some one of my marketing teammates, it comes from a place of knowing that I'm not the expert here and it's just an observation, but they would know best what to do. So what I'm trying to say is we do get a lot of that um, trust from teammates. So if they say like, hey, this tool isn't really working, it's like the caveat is always like, but I trust that you have more context and you know like all the other considerations. So we'll go with whatever you decide. And I feel like that's how a lot of different teams in Buffer kind of interact and within the people team as well because we work on different things. I mean, people and finance works closely but also independently. And there's a lot of like, here's my input and my thoughts, but I trust you'll make the best decision given your much richer sense of what's going on. And we'll like the people finance team is a dream team because we'll just rally behind the decision that's being made. Even if we had like reservations about something or we didn't fully understand initially, like, why we're going in a certain direction. So that's where transparency is also really helpful, right? When a decision is made, it's always accompanied by, hey, here's what we're doing and here are the reasons why we made this decision. So there's hardly ever, you know, a situation where it's like, I don't agree and it doesn't make sense and like, rah, it doesn't feel great. I want to dive more into transparency and some of the other core values of Buffer. But before we do that, how do you or how does Buffer foster that level of trust across teams? Being able, like knowing that no question is a silly question and being able to just ask, like, if I want to find out what product is doing, I can just ask or I know exactly where to find their project papers and stuff like that that level of transparency is helpful because no one ever feels like they're in the dark or decisions are being made like behind the scenes and we don't feel like disempowered over time. When you see like, Hey, 
number one, information is available. A side note is that we, because of all the information that's flowing, an interesting thing we're tackling now is like, do we push that information or do we make it available? Like, is it a push or pull kind of transparency, right? But the other thing is just seeing that everyone in the team is trying their best. So I think that builds a lot of trust, like interpersonally, that they will try the best, make the best decision they can make at each point in time. And then we'll just take the next step and see what happens. And it's not like a permanent, like decision's not permanent. You know, if you get feedback down the line, that's like, oh, uh, this isn't really working. We iterate a lot and experiment a lot. And I think at the heart of that, like knowing that change is okay, it doesn't mean like anything bad. It builds like a sense of resilience and trust in each other and like in the journey. So you've mentioned transparency a few times. And if if we talk now about Buffer's core values, which anyone can find on Buffer's website. I'll, I'll mention it later as well in the outro. But something that stood out to me when I was looking at the core values was transparency. And the reason it stood out was because you have this transparency dashboard where it's almost an open resource for anyone to just go and look at examples of how Buffer operates. I think it's a great tool for anyone founding a company or anyone in operations to kind of leverage for their own organization. But what does transparency mean to Buffer in that sense, in the sense they're willing to put this resource out there? There's so many dimensions to why we decide, like why, why we stick by transparency so like passionately, even though it's not always necessarily the easiest thing. Or when, when we think about it, there are like so many mental hurdles to it. Like there's so many what ifs, right? I think a lot of it stems from this belief that you share, uh, it benefits the whole community. There's no secrecy. Other, like we're all new in this remote work thing and the future of work is something that we're all building. So why not share what we're doing? and learn from others. So as like a larger industry or a larger community, we can all grow together. So that's one of the great things about transparency beyond like outside of the company, like the salaries. Every time we update the salary formula, we share what we've done differently because it's on everyone's mind, right? Like the pay gap and how do we pay people fairly for the same role and stuff like that. We're, we're all asking the same questions. So why not share what we're doing and hear what people have to say? That's one thing. The other aspect of it, I think, is, and this is my personal view, is that it keeps us authentic. Um, we, it's out there, you know, we are walking our journey. And one of the great things about Buffer that attracted me before I joined was this willingness to say like, hey, we tried this, this didn't work. And this is what we learned from it. That really resonated with me on a personal level, because that's how I try to live my life. And I think that's refreshing to see in the company it keeps everyone very like engaged and authentic in what they're contributing to the company as well and i think a lot of it is just like why not when we think about all the scary things that could happen when we share our financials and and stuff like that a lot of it is just fears and worries and a lot of the what ifs have been unfounded so the benefits of transparency for us anyway. I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone to this extent, but the benefits of transparency have 
so far outweighed all the intangible like worries around it that you know we just want to keep on seeing how we can explore it further you mentioned joining buffer and and sort of how some of their values resonated with you when you joined you were telling me how you joined last week can you tell our listeners how you first came in contact with buffer and just sort of that process yeah um so this would have been about four years ago when i first came to know about buffer i used to be like way way back i used to be a philosophy teacher for four years and then i was at a point in my career where i'd shifted into another subject and i found that i really missed teaching philosophy so i had this side project it was like a newsletter and a community in Singapore, where, where I'm based. And I used Buffer, the product, to schedule like my Facebook posts and my tweets and stuff like that. So that was my first acquaintance with the product. And I started reading our open blog. And I was just so taken by the company. And this is something that's quite consistent across like a lot of our teammates' experience with like our first acquaintance with Buffer, which can be summed up as like this disbelief that such a company, it's almost like I was thinking they can't be real. The values just made so much sense to me. They resonated with me on a very personal level. And I was just like, if I could work for this company, that would be such an opportunity. It would be like such a gift. So because at that time I was also reevaluating whether teaching was like a lifelong thing for me. I decided to apply for the position at Buffer that was open, which was a community position because I was very much involved in the community as well. I would be like on the Twitter chats at midnight Singapore time because it was just so life-giving, just all those chats. And I had a series of interviews. The role was no longer available by the time I was like, down the interview track but what happened was they reached out to me and they said like hey community is no longer available but we have this other role that we think you're a great fit for would you consider it and that was the role of the lifesaver which was completely new we were still just starting to build like a people team at the time so I was like it sounds like something I could transfer my skills in I'd love the opportunity to work in Buffer let's do it and that's how I joined Buffer I joined on the last day of the Hawaii retreat and it was like such a fun experience seeing all their pictures and like all the fun they had. And it was, and everyone came back with such energy. It was a great time to join. And since then my role has like just evolved from lifesaver to operations manager, which was an interesting title because it, it kind of captured generally what I was doing, but it was also kind of hard to pin down what I was doing because it was like oh anything operations and till today which I mean the role change happened I want to say in December last year where it's more like it's clearer now I'm focusing on team experience and these specific aspects but it's been like a an evolution over the past few years so you actually joined and got to go to the last day of the retreat when you joined oh no I joined on the last day of the retreat, I was in Singapore. I logged into Slack and I was like, hi, <laughs> and everyone was at the football game. So I had so much time to just read all like the transparent documents, get prepared for my job. And everyone came back the week after. And it was just like 
there's this rush of like, it's like a surge of positivity and happiness and energy that comes around retreat season. It's like a renewal. And to join at that time is just such a treat because everyone's like, yeah, let's do this. That's sort of a segue because I wanted to talk to you about retreats and some of your onsites. I know that's a big part of your role. So you've mentioned retreats and you may or may not have mentioned onsites, but what's the difference between those two things at Buffer? Retreats are something we've always done. The cadence has changed a bit as the team has grown and what retreats are has evolved. But today, as it stands, retreats are company-focused events, like these week-long events where we all gather the whole team from all across the world in a place somewhere in the world. And partners are welcome and kids are welcome. And it's just a week for us to talk about high-level things in Buffer like vision for the year or what our strategy is going to be and like things we want to work on or like culturally what values, how they have evolved and have these high level discussions and also give us a lot of opportunity to just have that FaceTime and get the hugs in because we're a very huggy team and, you know, just have all the opportunities we need to create these serendipitous moments between teammates that, you may work with fairly often or that you've never talked to ever because your roles are just completely far apart. So it's just an opportunity for us to run into someone, you know, at the lobby and be like, hey, do you want to grab a coffee? Yeah, let's do that. And learn funny things or cool things about each other. On-sites, on the other hand, were created because when we started focusing more on the cultural and high-level things in retreats, we didn't have as much opportunity to do in-person work things or like in-person work, like hackathon kind of uh, sessions. So on-sites were introduced to give us that space to do that, where a team or an area meets and they're just heads down, you know, just crushing a project or a strategy and, and just have all that face time to do it. It also is at a different time in the year so it gives us like a cons- like a fairly constant like a, a feed of in-person time so you don't feel isolated which is something that happens a lot with remote work if you go a whole year without seeing anyone and some of us don't ever see anyone because we're the only ones in our country it can get really tough but if we have like oh two meetups a year then you feel rejuvenated each time it keeps you going there it reduces that sense of isolation So retreats are culture-focused, on-sites, I mean, culture and high-level stuff focus, on-sites are work-focused, but both of them give us that buffer teammate time where we can sit around and have drinks and eat and just laugh. We laugh a lot and we hug a lot. A quick question about hiring that we had kind of glossed over before the call. When you're hiring a buffer, what are some of the values that are often looked for in that hiring process? Because we don't get to do the in-person interview, right? And there are unique challenges to remote work. So besides the core values that we have that's like specific to the company that inform decisions we make, how we do the day-to-day, we also look at whether someone is a strong communicator because that's quite important when you, you don't have like that FaceTime as often. You can't read someone's expression and we rely a lot on like written communication. So strong communication skills are really important. We also look at 
indicators of empathy. Remote work has its unique challenges, I think. And personally, I feel like if we don't think the best or assume the best in each other, it's, it makes that distance just a lot more difficult to get work done in. So empathy really helps us get through that. And empathy also supports all the other values that we have. Um, and we also look at whether a candidate focuses on the customer. And the customer may not be a buffer customer. If you work in product, yes, it's, a, it's clearly a buffer customer. But even like if we're hiring someone on the people team, right, are we, do we see indications that this candidate can focus on the people team's customer, which is the whole company, and how they, they go about that? So these are the values in addition to the buffer values that we look at uh, when hiring. Fantastic. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing all that. So are you ready for the hustle round? Do we need to take a break and hydrate it all or stretch before we get into it? Yeah. What quote or piece of advice is on your mind? I just talked to a bunch of friends about this yesterday. It's, um, I'm thinking of a quote and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it because I am really like a broad strokes, like abstract person. I remember ideas, but not like specifics. And it's from a Buddhist monk. And he was just talking about like uncertainty, right? And he was saying like the bad news is that you're falling and you don't have a parachute. So there's a sense of like, oh my gosh, this is scary. But the good news is there is no ground. So the way that lands for me is like, yes, life is scary. There's so many uncertainties. You can feel like you're out of control, but you're not going to crash. You know, that's just the way life is. And then when you know you're not going to crash, it's a matter of like how you're going to absorb that experience. How are you going to like kind of almost relish the sense of uncertainty and falling and be detached from this idea like, oh, it's going to turn out badly, which is like a default, I think, for a lot of, a lot of us. We're just like, ah, the worst thing could happen. It's a survival thing, right? So. Yeah, that quote. I have it on like a, a letter board in my house. Like the good news is there is no ground. It's a reminder for me. What skills have translated most from when you were teaching philosophy? Philosophy trains you to just put everything down on like a piece of paper or on a table or whatever metaphor works for you and to see things for what they are and see how they relate to each other. So as, there's a lot of like getting rid of the noise so you can focus on the signals and what they're telling you. And there's a lot, I think a lot in conditionals, like if A then B, if B then C. So if we do A, we're going to end up in C. I still think a lot like that. And that's all from like philosophy training and then teaching logic to like 14 year olds or 13 year olds and needing to make it like distill things as far as I can. So all of that has helped with just structuring things in my role now. And if you ask like anyone on my team, they just be like, yes, Steph nerds out on like structure and spreadsheets. And I think that's, <laughs> that's from my philosophy days. It sounds like you're organized. I should have taken philosophy with you. I, I barely passed my existentialism class. Oh, existentialism is like a different kettle of fish though. It's yeah. There's no A than B. There's none of that more logical thing. It's just kind of all over. Yeah. It's like, when we say this, do we really mean this? And what do we really mean? Which also helps like when we're like if we do like a listening tour, right? Or we get feedback from the team. They could be using the same words, like I feel this way about this, but are they assigning the same kind of meaning to the words? 
um, because we have different contexts. On to the next question. What activity outside of work have you learned a lot from? I have learned a lot from, interestingly, from like physical activity. So it could be lifting weights at the gym. And that brings me a lot of joy. And surfing also brings me a lot of joy. I think there's so many life lessons you can learn from physical activity. Just like how far you can push yourself. A lot of it's the mental game, the stories or the narrative that we're feeding ourselves. All of that comes, comes up when you're, you're trying to deadlift a new personal best, for example. You're like, I can't do this. I'm going to break my back, for, for instance. And surfing is just the most, was the most character building sport I've picked up in a long time where there's just so many things to learn, right? To get through the waves, to get out to the line, you got to be strategic. You got to know the timing and you got to accept that you're just going to get caught in the waves and that's fine. You're not going to die. And it's the same with life. You know, the waves are going to come. You're going to have your little board or a big board and how you respond to the waves is different depending on what board you have. But what's the same is don't panic. Just roll with it. The more you struggle, the more difficult it is. Yeah, I get very philosophical when I think about surfing. It's quite funny. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm, I'm still a rookie. <laughs> so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. It sounded right. It sounded like you've been surfing your whole life. Yeah, it's, it's perfect paddle boarding waves because there are no waves. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you can't... Like, I guess it's not quite out in... I mean, there's quite a few countries not too far from it that kind of, I don't know if that's scientific or not, but like Hawaii's in the middle of the ocean, right? So it's going to have big waves. Yeah, we, we're in like a little cove and that's why, like historically, that, that's how we got here because we, we don't have, we have deep waters, but they're calm. It's great for a port. And that's how Singapore became Singapore. The next question, I know that there might be some conflict here. So buffer aside, what is your favorite productivity tool i've tried so many oh my gosh but my favorite funnily enough is google calendar my whole life is on google calendar i time box like when when things get really intense at work and i have like all these things happening everything has a specific time in my calendar so that's my favorite productivity tool and they have like a note section i can just write notes for myself like what i need to do for that project and it's saved my sanity so many times. I'm a big fan. What influencer or book have you been obsessing about recently? So this is an extension of... Well, I've been reading a lot of really cool books. It's, it's been... 2018 was a great year for books for me. But if I had to recommend one book that I'm obsessed about, it's The Fear Project by Jamal Yogis. It's an extension of the surfing experience, but he dives into the neuroscience of fear and like the experience of fear from an athletic perspective and like from a life perspective. And he just melts all of these bits of wisdom and knowledge together in this amazing book. It was, I, I would read it again and again. It's, it's that good. Before we get out of here, Stephanie, do you have any last pieces of wisdom, any wise philosophies or just general messages for the listeners out there? Since we're talking about like remote work and distributed companies, I just, and maybe I'm preaching to the choir here uh, for, for this podcast, but I think remote work is just worth exploring. Maybe it's my context in Singapore where a lot of people are apprehensive about it. But there's so many plus points to it. And you can really build a company and be intentional about how you want to build a company when you don't have borders 
or boundaries this way. They're unique challenges. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fudge that, but it's so liberating to be able to do that. So my message is just give it a shot. You know, it may work for you and it may be the best things that's ever happened. Beautiful. Lovely endorsement to end the show. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on and spending some time with us. We enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time, Carson. It's always such a pleasure to just chat with you and and have a good laugh about the random things that we talk about. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks.